Hello and welcome to the Rad Dad Show, a podcast by dads for dads. I'm your host, Rob Schilt, joined by my co-host, Salvatore Minervini. What's up? On this episode, we're going to talk about how much tablet, video game, TV time is acceptable for kids, what apps and devices you use to control their time online. Sal actually introduced me to a new one recently. We're going to give you a new dad lesson. And last but not least, we're doing our bourbon review. Oh, I forgot fantasy football. And I forgot fantasy football. We're going to talk about that and how great Sal is at fantasy football. The master at fantasy sports. So, Sal, I am very interested. I know your girls really don't play video games, but how do you control or how do you monitor their their, uh, tablet time or video game time or TV time? It goes by age. When our kids were younger, two, three, and four, we hung out with a lot of families. And what they did was give their kids either their iPhones or they gave them their iPads and the kids ran off into the corner and, and they, they were staring at the screens just hours upon hours just so the kid can stay busy. We had iPads for the kids. It was, you know, ABCs, but then they got bored with it. So the iPads went away for a really long time and I tried to revive them probably last year and they're so old that I can't, I can't download the the latest update so when you're young yes it's easy for a parent to let either the tv screen or your smartphone or your ipad babysit your child because you know you want that 15 minute or two hour break you want your child to stare at the screen and they're occupied while you're either you know home cooking whatever you're doing or or you're trying to entertain uh, other other uh, other friends and stuff let me stop you there just for a second. You brought up a good point, and I think it's really important for new parents to truly understand is when you're a new parent and when you're exhausted and when you want to go to dinner and when you want to do all these things, do you take advantage of the tablets, of the phones? Did you guys take advantage of that? No. 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 So, it's one thing. I, I, When my wife and I go to restaurants with our kids, I can't tell you how many, I, I scan the restaurant and I see people with their kids just staring at smartphones or iPads. We were sitting next to this family, every single mom and dad, and there's two boys and a girl or two girls and a boy, I forget. Every single one of them had an iPad, even the parents, sitting around a, a table. Even Hold on, even the parents? Even the parents. I was like... This is bizarre. An interesting thing is, and I don't know if this is true. I read this in articles years ago, I think. But I am pretty sure the CEO who passed away of Apple didn't allow devices in his house. Steve Jobs. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's interesting to me because he sold the whole nation and pretty much the world on using these applications and, and devices throughout the day and with their existing jobs. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't... I, we, you're doing, take my advice. I know I'm stumbling like a buffoon here, but I highly recommend, I know it's easy giving your child your, your iPhone or your iPad and, and then they just scurry to the corner and, and be occupied. Don't do it. Take my advice. Do not do it because it only compounds as they get older. It only gets worse as they get older. Next thing you know, you're looking for your phone because you need to make a phone call. Your phone's gone because your kid in the corner is on the phone watching, you know, whatever the heck he's watching or, or playing whatever games he's playing. And there, there, there might be a point where it's an emergency. You can't find your kid because he's hiding under the table and you need to make a call or 
someone is trying to reach you and your kid just keeps it in decline on the call. I've spoken to parents before where their kid has the phone for two hours and they've missed like 10 calls. That's surprising. So I know we allowed our children when they were younger to use our phones, but it would be not not typically during the meals. And I don't want to say always because I'm sure we're guilty of giving them a phone or an iPad to kind of entertain themselves while, you know, while we needed some time. But at the end of the meal, when they're younger and they're winding down and they just can't hold it together anymore, you're, you know, passing them the phone to kind of buy you the last 10, 15 minutes until it's time to leave. I'm okay with that. But it can't be a everyday occurrence. It has to be a once in a while occurrence because like you said, then it just continually escalates as, as they get older. See my kids, I, I have two phones, one for work and one, one personal phone. My kids know my phones are off limit. They, they, one specifically is my work phone. They're not allowed to touch that. Um, my wife lets my kids use her phone to, to watch videos. They like watching five minute crafts and, and stuff like that. Um, but when she needs her phone, she can't find it. And she's got to, you know, go hunting through the house to find which one of the kids has the phone. Me, on the other hand, they know my phones are off limit. They will not touch. They have to ask me permission to use my phone. It's funny because it's the same thing in my house. We don't, our, my phones, I have two phones also. Um, the kids don't touch my phones 99% of the time. Occasionally one will grab it. But traditionally they don't touch my phones. But with my wife's phone, they will touch it. Not all the time, but occasionally they will. So I'd say occasional enough that it's never been an issue because they both have their own iPads. But at times they have, you know, reached out and done that. So you've stated you kind of don't use that, those devices for a babysitting tool. But what happens in day to day? They have an iPad. They have a phone. Do your, do your girls have phones? So just want, I would want to take a step back for a second when we were when I was talking about at, at a restaurant and at the dinner table, the whole family of five. So last episode, episode nine, which, which will be dropping a week from today, um, we spoke about the importance of having dinner together as a family. So when we're home and we're having dinner at the table, nobody's phones, no devices allowed in the dining room. Nobody's Where you put them? Couch, whatever. So nobody's allowed to have anything in the dining room when we're eating. So I take that same mentality when we're out to a restaurant, we're in an intimate atmosphere where we're having dinner together as a family and we're out. You know, we're going to enjoy the evening. We're going to enjoy each other's company. We're going to talk to each other. We're going to ask each other, hey, how'd your day go? So for me to bring, you know, I got three kids, three iPads or have my kids stare at the phones while we're at, in a restaurant having dinner. No, I mean, we're at a nice place having dinner. Let's talk. Let's, let's have a conversation. But I mean, to your point, when they were younger, to buy you that last 10, 15 minutes. So what we used to do was dinner, they get their dinner first before we put in whatever they wanted. Told the, the waitress, make sure their food comes out, stat. Then we put in our order for our food. Once they were done eating, you know, they would maybe pick on what we were eating as well. Then they got their ice cream. As soon as we were done, they were still on their ice cream, occupied. We get the check. If I had to go get the car, you know, they're still munching on their ice cream. And then by the time they were done with their ice cream, my wife gathers the, the team yeah. and, and marches to the door. And, and, and that's, how, that's how it worked. There was no devices at the ta dinner table, whether we're home or out to dinner. But to get back to the question that you asked me, how do I monitor the screen time? So 
through this whole COVID thing, it, it was difficult because once once school was over, okay, you got to do your school in the morning. They're staring at a screen, computer screen. But once they were done, proved that they were done, we'd have to see that the, whatever they did was was submitted, and then they can go to their. They like, like I mentioned before, five minute crafts, these, these YouTube videos of people doing things. At one point it was a big, they were watching uh, people making slime and, and they were just staring at the screens. So during the COVID and school, their screen time was probably between schoolwork and the amount of time that we let them watch was about five hours. And then we said, that's it, no more. Now you gotta go find something to do. Board games, draw, color, read a book, do, do anything, go outside. Go in the backyard, run around, throw a ball around, kick, kick soccer ball, whatever. But now through the summer, you know, it was first thing in the morning, you know, brush teeth, wash face, eat breakfast. After you eat breakfast, you got to do your, your reading and your summary. And then once you, you've showed us your summary, everything was spelled properly, and it was a, it was a good size summary, then you can, if you want to watch your YouTube stuff, whatever you wanted to watch, they could watch. But we gave them maybe two hours. And then once they were done, in the pool you go. You can spend all day in the pool. I don't mm -hmm. care. We have a treehouse, pool. They can do what you want to do in the backyard. You're not going to sit in front of the TV. Rain days, you know, it was it was challenging because three girls. What are we watching? I don't want to watch that. We were watching this. You had the remote for two hours. I want the remote now. Why Why do you never want to watch what I want to watch? And it's it was on and on. But you try to, okay, you pick an episode, then you pick an episode, you know. Every day was the same thing. But I, I try to limit their TV time to two hours, and then it's board games, outside and play. Uh, as far as apps, what I to use to monitor, I just bought Netgear Nighthawk router, which you mentioned before I turned you on to, and this thing is badass. You can go to your device list. Once you set up your router, it lists all the devices, and once you know whose device is what, you can turn the internet on and off. I do that to my kids. So if I ask them, hey, set the table, and I, I don't hear anything, I go into my device manager, mm. and I turn off every single one of their computers. Two minutes later, dad, is there something wrong with the internet? I said, no, you got to set the table. Yeah, let's set the table, and that's it. And then and then they forget about it and then until the next day. And then I got to call at work, dad, can you please turn the internet on? <laughs> so uh, that's that's what I do. That's, what, that's how we manage it, um, you know. Some days it's longer than others based on what is going on. Um, but you had mentioned something to me. I think it's called Circle. Yep, the Circle by Disney. So the Circle by Disney allows you to set up profiles and then set time limits for the different profiles. So I would love to have a single profile for the children, but that ends up being a little bit too much. The whole point of the Circle is to limit the time on the tablet, on, on devices, and you get the capability of setting up a profile by by child and you can limit so based on your age range i know i limit youtube uh to a certain amount so to say 30 minutes and then i'll allow them to have an hour and a half a day of tablet time video game time whatever they want to use it for and then that will go off and they now know that if there's an issue if if the internet's not working it's because they hit their limit they get an hour and a half and the cool thing about the circle, there's a couple of cool things. You can pause the internet access, same thing you could do with the Nighthawk, but you pause all of theirs. Does this interfere? Does the Nighthawk interfere no, with circle? They, they partner together. Oh, sweet. Nice. Yeah. So the, the really cool thing is, so my older guy, if he's acting up, I pause his profile. He can't access 
the internet on any of his devices. Oh, so your your kids have multiple devices. My kids yeah. just have a Chromebook. Well, and now recently, my well, they're all going to get Chromebooks. So yeah. they got Chromebooks for Christmas. So now they're going to get Chromebooks for school. For school. So now they're going to have personal Chromebooks and school Chromebooks, which I am okay with because Chromebooks that they got at Christmas time, I was able to control their screen time through Family Link, which Google has. Mm-hmm. Once they loaded the school account, I can't do anything. I couldn't turn the internet off. Not, once they got into their school account and were looking at videos, I can't do anything. Well, that's the good thing about about the circle is that once you once you create those profiles, it allows you to see what they're doing, where they're going. So you also see where what they're accessing, and if they're on social sites, if they're on YouTube, if they're going something you don't want them to go be going to. But the other cool thing is the profiles are set up so my older guy, even though he's not a teenager, I set him up as a teenager, so he has a little bit more um, leeway. The younger guy is set up as a child, and he has less leeway. So based on based on those two profiles they get to access some things that others don't so we have an xbox downstairs for for my boys but it's under my older guy's profile because he's the one who plays it they both have switches they both have switches i gotta think about that for a second and now they're both playing it because of the whole fortnite um apple and google battle that's going on so now now then going to to game time how much how much time do you allow your kids to play games uh two hours total a day time so if it's video games, if it's YouTube, whatever it is, two hours. It's two hours. That's and then on the weekends, uh, it maybe actually be an hour and a half. On the weekends, it's two hours. On so the, then what do they the what do they do after their tablet time's up? Whatever, as long as it's not tablet time. Now, the, it's the Royal Rumble in the Schultz. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's wrestling, it's fighting. <laughs> the other thing is though, they're able to watch TV. So that's the one nuance that I I haven't controlled yet. Do they ever fight about what they're watching? Sometimes they do. It depends. They're supposed to alternate, but a lot of times they don't. My big thing is I don't want them sitting in front of the same thing that you say. Hours upon hours. Yeah, hours upon hours in front of the TV, which they would do if you let them. Yep. So we bought, as part of this summer, we bought a basketball hoop. We bought trampoline. We bought not a pool like you have, but like a small pool, like a kiddie pool. And, yeah, it was great for, like, the first week they got everything. And then once that week was they over, get bored. Yeah, yeah, they get bored. So the the new thing is that, like I've said in, in past episodes, is we're allowing my older guy the freedom of going on his bike. And he'll take his, his younger brother with him a lot of times. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. So it's That's cool. Definitely. I'm cool. sure he appreciates that, Mikey. Okay. Yeah. That's all right. Sorry. I've said it multiple times. So I think that's good. I want to touch on fantasy football. So I think – from from the core core pieces i think it, you have to do what's right for your family I, I think that's that's the mantra for every one of these episodes but i wouldn't give your children a lot a lot of time on on video games or tv i know it's hard i know it's it's difficult but as sal can see on my kitchen table we have different card games like sleeping queens and these different games and i think i've mentioned sleeping queens before my younger cards against it. humanity <laughs> Uh, Uno, whatever whatever you end up using but the kids enjoy it and it's family time and it's time that's well spent and that's it's time that you'll never get back board games sometimes are are good we have a couple board games that a lot of board games but we have about five that we actually play continuously which one's the big one in your house a monster trap i think is that Mm -hmm. and then like catching kittens or something and there's another one monopoly is big in my house monopoly 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 and uno i used to have mousetrap when i was a kid that uh 
that's since changed just from what I remember it. But I mean, going back to the ages, do yourself a favor and don't give your kids your tablets or, or, or smartphones at a very young age. Cause it will, it will get significantly worse as they get older. Um, don't let the tablets or TV or smartphones become the babysitters. Um, but I mean, as they're like, my kids are nine, 10 and 11, they have their Chromebooks. So it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but I think limit the amount of time that they're on it. I think the, I think that's true. I think limit the amount of time they're on it, but I also think you have to assess what their interest is. If their interest is going on YouTube or watching FGTV or something like that. That's not productive time spent. If they're interested in coding and they're going on on different uh, computer programming classes, they're looking on how to program.net or Java or HTML, whatever their new language they, they want to research or if they want to kind of get into video game programming, I think you you back them up on that. So if that's truly a an interest of theirs, you give them the time there. But I think the point for us is that you only get to be kids once. You really want them to be outdoors, exercising, doing something different. Obviously, if they're spending time learning, that's one thing. But most of these kids are not spending time learning. They're playing Fortnite. They're playing Minecraft. They're playing, I don't know, there's some new Roblox game that all the kids are playing with pets. I I have no idea. Speaking of Roblox, so we allowed Roblox, I think it was about a year ago, my wife's phone. And... I had no idea what it was all about. It seems like a silly game. But my one daughter was playing it, and she says, oh, I just got a friend request. I said, is this someone you know? I think I may have mentioned this on one of the episodes, past episodes. And she said, no. So I was like, okay, that's it. Roblox is done. Deleting the app. But you can't delete an app. You cannot delete the app. So if anybody's having the same problem that I had, somehow my kids found a way to put the app back on my wife's phone. So what you do is... You set a screen time limit for that app. I set a screen time limit for one minute on Roblox. My kids cannot play it anymore. When I first set it up, they're like, Dad, what happened? I ran out of time. I said, yep, that's it. You're done. No more. So I think from from that regard, so Sal doesn't have a lot of exposure to these social gaming platforms. And if you're a parent who has children who are participating in Fortnite, Roblox, maybe Minecraft, I'm not sure, you'll see that that's more of a common thing than actually aware that people will request your your kids to be their friends. So if you're contrary to Sal and you're going to allow your children to play these games and you're not going to be able to control or put them, leave them in a bubble forever, but I think the one thing that I've done and I started doing this with my younger guy. My older guy understands the reality of the situation and could happen. So for my younger guy, I go through his friend list and review it. I also tell them not to accept anybody they don't know. And they don't. And I see the pending request. We go in, we delete them, and they're fine. But I think you have to make sure that they're aware of the situations and what potentially could happen and that they're cognizant. There are people who will try to lure them into situations that are harmful to their health. And unfortunately, it's a reality of today's society. It's crazy. man. I hate it, but I want to make sure I don't want I want to make sure my boys can can handle the situation. But at the same time, allow them the the entertainment that these applications offer. So we're at 22 minutes now. Well, it'll be. It'll be less than that when after we're done editing. But 
I want to touch on fantasy football really, really quick. So fantasy football is coming up. Drafts are coming up. We have our townie draft uh, next Friday, which is always a fun time. And Sal. Next Friday? This this Friday? Come this up. Friday, the yeah. Fourth. This Friday, the 4th. So Sal, I, saw, I just informed Sal he does not have a second or third round pick because he traded away last year. So he has two fourth and fifth, which is fine. He'll be fine. I think he took second last year or third. Um, the master. <laughs> But I, I'm very interested into our listeners if how your leagues are handling the COVID situation. So I'm in two leagues this year. One league actually we shut down because of COVID, which I don't love because they're they are playing football, and I really wish we were playing the league. But the reality is that was an in-person draft. We really didn't want to have the in-person draft. It was held through my brother's bar, and there's no indoor dining right now. So where are we going to have the draft? How are we going to handle it? So there's a lot of questions, and then it's not a close-knit group of people it's people from all different groups so if the season didn't finish it would have been a pain to kind of reimburse it it was just more pain than what it was worth and unfortunately the this season's off for us in, the, in that league but i have two leagues where we're playing and we have very similar rules and i'm curious what our listeners are seeing in, in their leagues i know in, in my two leagues if in both leagues it's the same rule if it makes it to eight weeks we're paying out top three if it makes it through the playoffs the payouts are as they are dictated by the rules if it doesn't make it to to the eighth week and the nfl calls the season which is possible because it is football and it's contact and you know it's it, it could be an issue you never know if that were to come to fruition then we would just reimburse everyone the money less the money that's spent for the overall league um i wonder if, if they're still going to continue with this whole covid stuff based upon the um the information that just came out this weekend. Uh, th- today we're recording. It's uh, third 30th? 30th. Today's August 30th. So last night CDC let out some information that of the 152,000 deaths that they had originally marked as COVID deaths has been drastically reduced to over only 9,000 deaths related to COVID. Now, don't get me wrong, one death is too many from COVID. But we've gone through a grueling six months now of this panic of COVID. Stay inside, you're going to catch COVID, masks, socially distance, where they, they kept telling us numbers in, of COVID deaths have increased day after day. People are dying, COVID, COVID, COVID. Now to only find out that only, I don't want to say just only, but 9,000, not just over 9,000 people died of COVID. So it's it just, I, will they, will they react based on that information? Are they going to no, say, okay, gonna, who knows, but I think it's going to continue as status quo as for right now. I know there's still a lot of fear in New Jersey, just New Jersey.com had an article this morning that said that New Jersey may be hit with a second wave, which I don't know why they would release that right now. I don't know the benefit of, of why fear. Uh, yeah. Well, that I didn't know. It's a reality that people are very scared of COVID. They don't understand. The government, the news outlets are not helping the situation at all. Early on, everyone said the flu's worse than, than COVID, but maybe it's it's time that some of these industries change anyway. In a lot of organizations, there's not there's no sick days. It's part of your vacation. Yep. So, you know, maybe maybe it's time that society kind of takes a step up and says, listen, it's it's time to change. And how do we handle this? Do we allow more remote working? Whatever it is. But I think at some point, you know, you want to protect the people who work for you. You want to, 
you know, people want to protect themselves. So maybe it's time something changes and maybe this is the spark. Who knows? I hope the football season happens. Do I think they're still going to test and, and give it the, the status quo of what's going on right now with the MLB and NFL and NHL most likely, probably. I just think there's too many unknowns and there's no vaccine. So The too many unknowns is the scary part. Uh, you know, being as far into this as we are and, and there being so many unknowns is still, you know, scary. I agree. So let's do the dad lesson. So the dad lesson, I'm going to take this because it's not in the gray area. <laughs> of course. Is if you like watermelon, which my son does a lot, use a cookie cutter to make shapes, then freeze them. It's a healthier alternative than ice pops, which is really interesting. I never even thought about it, and it's on this list. The other thing is you can also use it as ice cubes. And for those of you who like, you know, a vodka and, and something, spritzer or whatever, you can use them in, in a vodka drink or whatever type of drink you want. I have several friends who like to mix cocktails, and this would kind of be a, a cool, I guess, compliment to, to some of those mixed drinks that I actually I actually made a... It's called Tequila Mockingbird uh, on Thursday, which included watermelon. Was it good? Oh, my God. Really? Dangerously good. Uh, really good. Well, the person that we're talking about makes some dangerously good drinks, yes. too. So every time she's making drinks, I, um, I got to be wary. <laughs> Usually strong. Yeah, they go down too fast. They go down too fast. And easy. So a cool little suggestion. I like that. And the other thing that I've seen out there is an ice cream scooper for uh, watermelon too. You can use an ice cream scooper, scoop it up, put it in and freeze it and use them little balls and put them in into your drinks. I couldn't even, couldn't even make it through that spiel without laughing. <laughs> Such a child. So now here, this is where we pause, where we are going to take a break and taste our bourbon and Dude. we'll be back with a review. All right. All right, we're back. We chose this week to review Eagle Rare and it is very nice. So let me take you through. Very nice. Very nice. We'll take you through the information. So the alcohol classification is a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Is that spelled with an E? Yes, because we are in the States. Thank they you. don't use the E in whiskey in Europe. Thank you, Sal. Little fun fact. The distillery is Buffalo Trace. The proof is 90, 45% alcohol by volume. This was interesting that me and Sal didn't know previously is that it's aged 10 years, which is a considerable amount of time for the price point of this, this dram. The mash bill is 51% corn, rye, and barley. The percentages of the rye and barley are not listed anywhere, but Buffalo Trace website says it's a low rye. So if you actually, uh, I'm just going to step in here real quick. I don't mean to step on your toes, uh, but if you go on a Buffalo Trace website, um, it's actually pretty cool. They call this a mash bill number one. So if you go on the Buffalo Trace website, you'll see they have pictures of what mash bill number one looks like. They'll show you the majority of it is, uh, is rye, 51%. I mean, sorry, corn. 51% has to be made with corn in order to be uh, considered a bourbon. And then they show you two other uh, ingredients, which is the rye and the barley. So there's a little more rye than barley, but they are calling this a low rye uh, bourbon. And then the other interesting thing is that on the site, it tells us there were three awards in 2018, the San Francisco World Spirit Competition Silver Medal winner in 2020. Really, 2020? Yeah. Anybody actually did something in 2020 besides starting a podcast? This, this is on their website. All right. So 2020, Master Medal, American Whiskey Masters, and 2020, Best Straight Bourbon Whiskey International Whiskey Competition. I think these are done remotely, and that's why they were awarded. I've been seeing articles where... 
people have been doing rankings and things like that. Uh, the color is, this was another debated topic, but we believe it's a deep amber. We came to the final conclusion. Look for yourself, but make sure to turn the bottle and put it against a white background to really determine it. That's the easiest way to make sure that you're getting it. If you look at the bottle, there's a black label, so it makes it hard. But once you pour it into your glass, look from the side, and it looks like um, a, a deep amber. The price point that we've seen is anywhere between $25 to $40, which is interesting because this is made by Buffalo Trace, and Buffalo Trace is the same exact price point. So I'm very interested that they would differentiate at that specific price point. Especially with, a 10-year bottle. Especially a 10-year bottle, because they probably could charge more. So for me, the nose and the aroma... I smell like a spicy, a spiciness almost. Uh, it really opens up your your nasal passages. Smell the sweetness. I don't know for myself if it's honey or if it's or if it's something candied or toffee, but it's definitely a, a sweetness. Now for the taste, it's a it's a sweet and another sweet bourbon, which obviously I've said before, I like sweet bourbons. This is this is definitely sweet. There is very limited burn, so it's not like a bottle and bond that's going to burn you, but the interesting thing is Buffalo Trace, when we drank it, burned all the way down. This does not. This is gives you a little burn in the mouth. That's about it. It's sweet. It's nice. It's it's a good sipping bourbon. I typically don't drink my bourbons neat. I am now on my second class, and it is still smooth and good. I may throw a nice cube in it because my glasses have been one finger for the tasting on the podcast, but I may throw a nice cube and have a nice nightcap with it. And I think the finish is, is smooth. Overall, not complex, easy sipper. So I said that. And I will try an ice cube in a little bit just to see what it, if it opens up a little bit. I think it probably should. It definitely will. Yeah. And I think, we, so what we did also, and what we're going to tend to do when we've been trying to do is pour it out at the beginning so it opens a little bit and see how it tastes. So we've been traditionally around 30 minutes for our podcast. So around 25 minutes we start our bourbon tasting. Last but not least is my rating. So Sal, I'm going to do my rating before you give your, your feedback. I am putting this at a 7.8. Whoa. I'm going to give it a 7.8. I really do like Eagle Rare. I think it has a nice taste. I don't think the only thing is it's not overly complex. It's smooth. It's sweet. It's a great sipping bourbon. 7.8. Nice. All right. I'm going to run through uh, my uh, my uh, review here, but everybody's palate is different. So everybody's going to taste something or smell something different. I just want to let, so on Eagle Rare's website, they have tasting notes at the nose. Uh, complex aromas of toffee, hints of orange peel, herbs, honey, leather, and oak. I don't get the toffee. I don't get the orange peel. Uh, definitely not the herbs, leather, or leather. I get, um, I get the honey, a whiff of honey, and the oak. That, that's what I smell. And as far as taste, um, Eagle Rare's website has bold, dry, oaky flavors with notes of candied almonds and very rich cocoa or cacao, however you want to pronounce it. I get the oak and um, the dryness of the bourbon. I don't get anything else. I don't, I don't get the cacao or cocoa. I don't get the candied almonds. I got, as far as nose and the aroma, I get the honey oak, the tasting. I get the oak and, and, and the dryness of, of the bourbon. The finish, it's a smooth finish to me. There's a lingering burn at the end, which is not, not overpowering, but uh, it's, a, it's a great tasting bourbon. Overall, it's not complex. It's an easy, easy sipper with or without ice. Ice obviously changes the flavor when you let it sit for a long period of time. So what I like to do is, like Rob mentioned, is pour the glass, 
I let it sit for five minutes. I'll take a sip, you know, take a sniff and a sip, check it out, see what it smells like and tastes like. So then when we really get into our uh, bourbon review and a bourbon tasting, the, the smell tremendously changes. There is a difference from when you first pour it to, to, and, and taste it to if you let it sit for 25, 30 minutes, there's a difference in, in, in flavor. That's me. That's my palate. You know, someone else may be different. To my ranking, I'm going to have to give this... Sorry, I had to take another sip there. Uh, I'm going to have to give this a 6.9. 6.9 is my ranking. 6.9. Yes. 6.9. I think, um, I think that's a wrap. Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to tune in to our next episode. If you like what you heard, share with someone you'd like or maybe dislike. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, iTunes, Podbeam, Google Cast, Pandora, YouTube, your sister's ass, and Spotify. Be sure to smash that subscribe and follow button, too. If you have any questions or comments or want to give us some feedback, you can hit us up at the Rad Dad Show at gmail.com.